All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. Before we get started, we absolutely have to plug our conference coming up. I know it's still a few months away, but you don't want to miss it. It's our annual Reformation Boise Conference. This year, the theme is on the church. Um, such a vital doctrine to understand and know today, especially that the world that we're living in. Uh, two absolutely special guest um, preachers, Pastor um, Joel Beakey and Pastor Derek Thomas. Um, Derek Thomas is at least a Ligonier fellow, right, Jonathan? Yeah, he is a Ligonier fellow. Yeah, he's one of the men that came in after, well, during R.C. Sproul's ministry. It was part of his transition and what he was expecting that there would be a number of pastors taking over that responsibility. And Joel Beakey, of course, was our, our inaugural speaker back in 2017 on the 500-year anniversary of... It's hard to believe that much time has oh, passed. I know. I feel yeah. so old. I think, I'm, I think I have second seniority in the room, right? I now. think I'm... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Well, You're much older than us. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. I'm way older. Um, Pastor John, Jonathan Van Hoogen, our regular um, host from Dayspring um, Reformed Church. Brother, where can people find you on the interweb? On the interweb. Uh, go to church at dayspringboise.com or our Facebook page, Dayspring Reformed Church. All right. And then uh, Pastor Ryan Hemphill from... Go ahead. I'll, I'll mess it up. Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. Okay. Yep. And where can people find you at? Uh, BoiseReformedPresbyterian.com. And you guys are a, a still a relatively new church plant, right? Yeah, we are coming up on our first anniversary as far as starting services. And you have so, a nice yes. reformed beard, by the way. Well, thank you. Like you're yeah. solidly reformed yeah. with that beard. Yeah, Ben and I are trying to, you know, represent, it's, represent it's the, the reformed it's, view. It's the youth in this room. <laughs> Well, did Spurgeon say it was a, a habit most manly, most manly and scriptural? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, our pastoral intern uh, Ben Rao from the Well Church Service with uh, Pastor Paul and I. Glad you're here today, brother. Yes, I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. Always. Yeah. So, um, oh, I, I forgot to mention ReformationBoise.com is where you need to register for the conference. So don't forget about that. So today is officially Ascension Day. Uh, the day that Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, and this event happened 40 days after the resurrection of Christ. Um, one of the things that I believe that we as the modern church need to recover is the importance of of doctrine, um, and that starts with what knowing doctrine is. Um, the early church deeply cared about doctrine. J. Gresham Machen said in his book Christianity and Liberalism, quote, the early church was concerned not merely with what Jesus had said, but also and primarily with what Jesus had done. The world was to be redeemed through the proclamation of an event. And with that event went the meaning of the event. These two elements are always combined in the Christian message. The narration of facts is history. The narration of facts with the meaning of the facts is doctrine. So when we're talking about the ascension, that is a historical fact that 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, historically, he ascended into heaven. So we're asking the question, okay, then what does that mean? And yesterday, um, we talked about, well, what that means in this age is that Jesus, being the second Adam, was given dominion and authority over all nations so that all peoples would serve him. That's the meaning of the event. But there's something else, too. Jesus said um, in John 16, 7, 
when he is comforting his disciples in the upper room. Um, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. It is to your advantage that I go away. So this event is a a benefit, a blessing to the church. And um, Calvin actually points out that um, though he departed from us, it was that his departure might be more useful to us than his presence. And I actually think that that sounds a little bit counterintuitive, right? Because Jesus is in the flesh. He's on earth. Why would it be beneficial for us uh, that he would leave? Well, we all know this in one way because we can only be in one place at one time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, now Christ by his spirit is with us always. You know, so uh, he is He is the God-man. As man, he's seated in heaven. Um, as, the God, as, as God, he's with us everywhere. That's right. Um, so, so, and, and it was important in that, that respect because when he went to heaven, uh, when he, you know, when he ascended into heaven, says he sat down at the right hand of God the Father, um, he isn't, he isn't just relaxing in a lazy boy recliner. He's, right. you know, he's, he's there. He now rules over us as we were talking about yesterday. But we also know that he also is our advocate in heaven. He prays for us. He, mm. uh, he, you know, just as the Holy Spirit is presenting our prayer before the Father, so is he. Uh, we have him um, presenting our mm. prayers and praying for us and participating with us. So that's one aspect of the importance of the of this. That's only one. Yeah, Spurgeon yeah. said on that. Um, you send a petition to court and hope for its success. For it is drawn up in proper style, and it has been countersigned by an influential person. But when the person who has backed your plea for you is himself at court to take the the petition and present it there, you feel safer still. Today, our prayers do not only receive our Savior in premature, I think that's how you say it, but they are presented by his own hand. As his own requests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does the hymnist say? Five bleeding wounds he bears received on Calvary's tree. They pour effectual prayers. Mm. You know, they strongly plead for me. They strongly yeah. plead for me. Yeah, that's that's the whole idea. You know, he's you know he's suffered on our behalf, and he has the res- the right and the responsibility to um, advocate for us in heaven yeah. with God. Mm-hmm. What well, isn't it? He, it's I think it's Hebrews seven. 25, where it says he ever lives to make intercession um, for the saints. Right. Mm. Loose paraphrase. Right. Um, maybe just on a, on a practical level, I don't want to catch you guys off guard, but have you meditated on that truth before? It, maybe in your depression or when you're down or when you're trying to counsel um, a saint that's depressed or down? How, how do you use this intercession of Christ now that he's ascended in heaven as a practical encouragement um, for, for saints? One of the things that uh, scripture teaches us is that the prayers of a righteous man mm. accomplish much. And what I've told our congregation, what I tell myself at times, you know, Christ is praying for us. And in John 17, we have a glimpse of what he is praying for us. He's praying that we be sanctified. He's praying that we be strengthened in the midst of trials and tribulations, not that we be removed from them, but that we endure them, and that he is praying that we be preserved and glorified with him and see his glory. So the comfort that we can have of Christ sitting on his throne and praying these things for us, he is the righteous man, Mm -hmm. and his prayers are definitely heard. 
by his father and they are answered. You know, um, on this program, we're, we're very much interested in instruction. We, we are lifelong students. We love learning new things. But often the Christian life is just about remembering things that we've already learned, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And meditating on things that we've already um, been acquainted with. And, and this particular doctrine that Jesus has ascended in heaven and that he is now making intercession for us is a, is a truth that we need to regularly meditate on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> One of the things that we want to meditate on, you know, in the Old Testament, we're told that uh, the priests would perform these sacrifices over and over and over again, and the blood of bulls and goats could not um, atone for our sin. Mm-hmm. But Christ, by his one sacrifice, um, has done this, mm-hmm. and he's the one who is our high priest in heaven. He, by his one sacrifice he has delivered us mm-hmm. and he's he's not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our oh, weaknesses. weaknesses yes right. yeah he, he knows mm-hmm. our frame yeah. he knows he in fact he knows he created us from the dust of the ground yeah. he knows yep. that he knows uh, he, he knows our weaknesses and uh, and he knows what it was like to suffer temptation mm. yet without sin mm-hmm. uh, so he knows what we go through and yeah. what, whatever we suffer he has suffered more right mm-hmm. yeah and one of the other comforting things is, I mean, if you think about, you know, the the ebbs and flow of the people of God in the Old Testament, and even as we look at our own lives, you know, there were good kings and there were bad kings. You know, likewise, there were good high priests and there were bad high priests. And you never really had this anxiety of, okay, we've got a good high priest, but oh man, look at his sons. <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't have that fear. I mean, we have the high priest yeah, and uh, he is perfect. Hebrews 4.4 four, um, you know, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. So Jesus just doesn't minister in an earthly tabernacle. He entered into the sanctuary of heaven by his own blood, and he's able to save to the uttermost mm. of those who draw near to God through him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in his ascension, he's still um, operating in those offices of prophet, priest, and king. And this mm-hmm. this practice of his um, intercession is a priestly practice mm-hmm. uh so you're you're a westminster guy okay. so oh. um in the shorter catechism i know you are too jonathan that that's where your that's secret it. roots are right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it asks the question um how does christ execute the office of a priest um christ executes the office of a priest in his once offering up himself a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice so that's what he did mm-hmm. in his earthly ministry and to reconcile us to God. Now, here's what he does in his heavenly ministry and in making continual intercession for us. You know, mm-hmm. again, to, to bring this on a practical level, I'm so encouraged when somebody in my congregation says, hey, pastor, I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. I know that um, Saturday is the day that you write and you often have anxiety <laughs> on that day. And, and that brings me great encouragement. Mm-hmm. But how much more encouragement to know that the Son of God is praying for yeah, me. Exactly. He's praying yeah. for me. And, and you know, when, when saints pray for me, they might, you know, they might not be praying according to the will of God. Their, their prayers might be all jumbled up, but, but the Son of God's prayers, they're always perfect. They're always according to the will of the Father, and the Father always answers them. Yeah. It's and an he invincible knows exactly prayer. exactly what you need, mm. right. even more than you do. <laughs> what a thought. Yeah. <laughs> what a thought. Yeah. Um, Anything else you guys want to say about the intercession? How has it affected you? How has it benefited you? How has it encouraged you? I think one thing I meditate on is the personal nature of it. 
I mean, I think we could think of Christ's intercession as, okay, he's, he's not just generally praying for his people. I think there's a real aspect of he knows us by name, mm-hmm. and uh, he's the eternal God, creator of heaven and earth. He's fashioned our hearts. So as he prays, he's praying specifically, I think, for us. That's unimaginable. Yeah. Like even if you were to spend all day praying for the people in your congregation, you would miss things. That's right. If you started getting a list of all the family members that you need to pray for, you would you would miss things. Right. But somehow the Son of God in his infinite nature can pray for all of his people continually yep. without without stopping. Hmm. That's that's absolutely amazing. Yep. And he addresses every ac- accusation against his people. Um, you know, because you know, we have a we have an enemy that is constantly accusing us. We mm-hmm. have an enemy that saying you're not worthy uh, of this love, and and he's answering that accusation. Yeah. Um, you know, we we have one who who does love us and care for us uh, with an everlasting love. We've been a, because of him, and because we're united to him, we've been we've been. Adopted into that forever family, mm-hmm. the forever family of God. So he's dealing with the accusations that come from outside against us. Maybe one more quote bef- from Luther before we end today. He says this When the devil throws our sins up to us and declares that we deserve death and hell, we ought to speak thus I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? Does this mean that I shall be sentenced to eternal damnation? By no means. For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction in my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Where he is, there I shall be also. Jesus, right now, uh, no one can no one can condemn us before the Father because Jesus, as you said, Pastor Jonathan, is is praying for us, is answering that's, those that's accusations. Romans that's Romans 8. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. This is the Gospel for Life.